All right, take your Bibles this evening and turn with me to Numbers, Numbers chapter 1. Numbers, fourth book of the Old Testament. Numbers chapter 1. Now we kind of got introduced this morning to uh, the book. We looked at some lessons that we can learn from the book of Numbers. We kind of uh, introduced the uh, uh, study this evening. We want to get right into uh, chapter 1, and we want to look at a number of things here uh, this evening uh, that have to do with uh, what this book is all about. We began the message, a uh, series of message, and uh, it won't be hard to find out why it's called Numbers, just by reading the first few verses. Uh, let's look at uh, chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 4. And the Lord spake unto Moses in the wilderness of Sinai, in the tabernacle of the congregation on the first day of the second month in the second year after they were come out of the land of Egypt, saying, Take ye the sum of all the congregation of the children of Israel after their families by the house of their fathers with the number of their names, every male by their poles. From twenty years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel, thou and Aaron shall number them by their armies, and with you there shall be a man of every tribe, every one head of the house of his fathers. Notice right there in those first four verses, there's at least uh, uh, one number mentioned or a, a some mathematical term. Uh, the verse one, you find the first day, the second month, and the second year. Uh, verse two, you have the word sum. Uh, you have the number. You also have the word poles. Now, what's that mean? Well, a poles uh, is the meaning of that word is a skull. All right. We're not talking about a voting poll or a, a uh, finding out who likes the president and who doesn't. We're not talking about that kind of poll. Uh, the meaning of the word is a skull or as round. Most people's heads are somewhat round, okay? We have some per- people that are have some odd-shaped heads, but uh, most of us have a rounded shape to our head uh, of some kind. The implication here is that it's a head, talking about heads. How many heads are there? Um, it's uh, enumeration of person. Let's see how many heads we have here tonight. One, two, three. You know, we could go down and count, and uh, maybe our ushers have already counted, and they had took a head count. All right? That's what the, what's the word is talking about. A head count. In verse 3, you have the word 20, and you have the word number. And then in verse 4, you have a man. Okay, that's one. All right? A man, uh, every one, head, and so on. Okay, so now here we have God preparing his people for war, and he's issued a command that his people be numbered for battle. The males 20 and older were to be numbered. The names of the leaders in the tribes were then listed. It's in the, these names that we find a message of truths and traits that are needful for us to be victorious soldiers of Jesus Christ. Uh, nothing is written by accident in the God's Word. 
Uh, and we're going to see this here. It's, there's nothing by accident. Even the seemingly menial things have some meaning. They have some significance. And we notice in the studying of these names that there's at least one or two characteristics that stand out in each one of them. And so we're going to look at some names and you uh, soon will realize that the head of each tribe or family is listed and that they are the sons of Jacob or Israel. Uh, that was Jacob's name that was changed back in Genesis 35 and verse 10. And so you have the children of Jacob, or as they will become known as the children of Israel, the Israelites, and there are some wonderful truths we can learn from these names. Now, this may uh, seem to be a little long and tedious, but we're going to move right through it quickly this evening. So the first thing we want to look at is the name of sonship. The name of sonship. <clears throat> and so we come to verse 5, and we have the name Reuben. In verse 5, it says, And these are the names of the men that shall stand with you of the tribe of Reuben. Reuben means, Behold a son. Sonship is the first requirement of being a good soldier of Christ. The Bible says in John chapter 3, Ye must be born again. And so you cannot do the work of the Lord without the Lord being uh, at work in your life. Some have tried it. But all would eventually fail. Many try to do this because they believe their deeds or their works give them merit and salvation. It doesn't. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21 through 23, we notice there it says, Not every one that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of God or heaven of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say it to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Now, why does the Lord uh, not know these people? Well, Paul gives us the answer in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we're not saved by our works. Uh, we're saved by being born again to God's family by grace through faith. Now, someone might ask, well, why did they declare their pedigree? Why are pedigrees so important in the word of God? I think it's a good place to park maybe for a little bit uh, while it relates to the point of sonship. Uh, besides taking account of all those who would be able to serve in the battle, there is a threefold purpose for a pedigree or a genealogy. You say, why are all those genealogies in the Bible? What's so important about a whole list of names that you have there? I think it's uh, there's some reasons for them. And uh, we have uh, what we call family tree. How many of you have a, a document of some sort that has kind of a, a listing of who's in your family, who your mom and dad were, who your uh, grandparents were, who their parents were, and so forth? And you kind of go up the tree a little ways, you know, and you say, oh, I didn't know that guy was my, uh, my great-great-grandfather or something, you know. Uh, and then you may find out something about them. Uh, not many of us can have a book that we can read to find a lot about them. 
Some of our families have done some writing. Maybe your family's done some writing about different members of the family. And it's always interesting to go back and to see who they were, where they lived, what kind of work they did. And so we have a pedigree or a genealogy, and we have the same thing in the Bible. Now, the reason why we uh, have them, and I think it's uh, important to study them, a threefold purpose of genealogies. Number one, they're interesting. I find them interesting. I don't know about you. Uh, and they're beneficial uh, for those who are concerned. It's good to know something about your ancestry, where your family came from. Uh, We've done, uh, it's, we've been thankful to have a little bit of research done in our family. Uh, my, on my side of the family, my, uh, great grandfather would have, uh, come over to, uh, uh, America from Prussia, uh, to the, the, uh, plains of Kansas, brought the turkey red wheat with them and planted them in the, uh, fields there because the fields, the soil was very similar to that in Prussia. Now, my great grandfather was also a minister, a, a pastor, a preacher. He's a Mennonite uh, preacher. Uh, they had 19 children. Uh, my uh, great grandfather was not number 19. He was born here in the United States, but he was number 19. Now, not all of them lived very much past uh, being an infant, but uh, He's one of 19. It's just kind of interesting to go back and hear. Uh, my wife has uh, done a little bit of research into her family. And she and some of her family, uh, we were, we've discussed from time to time. And uh, we found there are some real mysteries. Uh, some things that we're just not sure about on her family. You know, you can understand that, right? Uh, uh, I used to, her name was uh, Bridgewater, Okay. You say, you, she must be re- related to that quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings, right? Well, I don't think you look at her and you look at him, and I don't think there's quite a direct relationship there. They just happen to have the, fir- the same name. But uh, uh, I think her family was more from the, uh, the Great Britain uh, area, British. And uh, so, uh, I don't know, you've d- probably done the same thing. Looked into your family back. It's interesting. Uh, there's another reason. Sometimes the reason names and genealogies are omitted in the Bible and others are recorded, it's because it's important to preserve the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Uh, and you'll see in our study, uh, uh, if, or you'll see in the study of Genesis how the rejected line was given first and then, the, and then dropped and then forgotten. And then in the genealogy, uh, genealogical line, uh, which would lead to the Lord Jesus is given, and this line is followed all the way through the Scriptures. And then the New Testament opens with a genealogy, and the whole New Testament stands or falls on the accuracy of that genealogy. Uh, this genealogy uh, was kept on record and probably was op- on open display in the temple of that day. Uh, probably the enemy checked it many times, hoping to find that Jesus didn't have a legal right to the throne of David. Well, it's interesting that the accuracy of the genealogy of Jesus Christ was never questioned by his enemies. But then, uh, thirdly, God forbade uh, intermarriage. And a true Israelite had to be able to declare his pedigree. And there were uh, the beneficiaries of the covenant made to Abraham, and also the genealogy was necessary to determine who was eligible for the priesthood. 
So why is this important to us today? Well, can you imagine a young man of that day being called up and asked, uh, are you an Israelite? And if he answered, well, I hope I'm an Israelite, but I can't be sure until I die. What would you think would have happened? Uh, They would have pushed him aside. Suppose another young man stepped up and they asked him, are you an Israelite? What do you you think uh, they would have done to him if he answered, well, I try to be an Israelite. I'm working real, real hard at it, and I hope to become one. You suppose that'd be good enough? Would that be acceptable? Uh, Do you see how important it is for them to declare that they were Israelites? Uh, Some of those answers kind of sound like uh, when you ask somebody, are you a Christian, aren't they? Well, I hope I'm a Christian. Uh, That's not good enough, is it? Well, I work really, really, really hard to be a Christian. That's not good enough either. I wonder this, this evening, what about you? Can you declare your Christian pedigree? If you don't know whether you can or not, may I say to you that you'd better be able to declare it. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I wonder, can you say that this evening? Uh, can you, uh, how can you become a son of God or a child of God? Galatians 3.26, for ye are all children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. There's a, no other way to become a son or a child of God other than by faith in Christ Jesus. John 1 and verse 12 says, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. And so the authority to become the sons of God is given to those who do no more or less than simply believe in his name. You can know it. Uh, You can be born again through the blood of Christ. And so you can be a member of the family of God. You can have a Christian pedigree. That's the only way. And in this wilderness journey that we're on today, you must know who you are. You must know that you are a child of God. And if you're not sure of that, you ought to make sure of that. And uh, you can do that by taking God at his word. It's not what you think or what you feel. It says, he says that if you put your trust in Christ, you're his child. You can rest on the word of God. So you have the name of sonship. Secondly, we have the name of strength. The name of strength. Look at verse 5 again. In verse 5, we have the name. It says, and these are the names of the men that shall stand with you of the tribe of Reuben, Elizer, the, the son of Shadiar. Elizer, that word means God is my strength or help. God is my strength or help. If you're going to be successful in serving the Lord or fighting spiritual battles for the souls of men and resisting the temptations that come your way, you're going to need the strength and the help of the Lord. God is our strength and our help. Psalm 46 in verse 1 says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
And the word, in, the word very in that verse in Psalm 46, 1 is from a Hebrew word, which means exceedingly abundant, mighty, and continual. The Lord is ever present. He's abundant to help us in our troubles and our trials and in our afflictions and our distresses. And again, I like what Paul said in Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. And so if you're going to be counted uh, and counted on for the battle, you will need the strength uh, the strength of the Lord, and that and can only be received from him. So we have the name of sonship, we have the name of strength. Thirdly, we have the name of stirring and spirit. Again, in verse 5, you have the name Shediar, means to be on fire. Now, a good soldier for Christ needs to be on fire for the Lord and have some holy zeal and some enthusiasm for God's work. In fact, the word enthusiasm comes from a Greek word, entheos, entheos, which means God within. And we notice what David said in Psalm 69, Psalm 69 in verse 9. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. In Titus 2 and verse 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Now, how can you keep on fire for the Lord? Well, Jeremiah 20 and verse 9 says, Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in mine heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones, and I was weary for forbearing, and I could not stay. His word, God's word, can be that which gives you the fire that you need as a Christian. Psalm 39 and verse 3 through 5, My heart was hot within me while I was musing. That word musing means meditating on God's word. Thinking, that's what the word muse means. My heart was, uh, was hot within me while I was musing. The fire burned, and then I spake with my tongue, Lord, make me to know mine end and the measure of my days. What is it that I may know how frail I am? Behold, thou hast made my days as a handbreadth, and mine age is nothing before thee. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Selah. It was Charles Spurgeon that said, a blacksmith can do nothing when his fire is out. A blacksmith can do nothing when his fire out is out. Many of us really don't know the importance of a blacksmith today, do we? Uh, I, I don't know how many of you have been to a blacksmith lately. Uh, maybe you need some new horseshoes on your horse. Uh, but uh, most of us don't have horses, so we don't, we don't worry about that. But you know, there was a day when the blacksmith's shop was one of the most important businesses in town. One of the most important pieces of equipment was the fire that he heated, uh, well, used to heat the metal and form the metal objects that were so important to everyday life. No fire, no business. Uh, do you have the fire of the Lord burning with you in, within you this, this evening? If not, you're not going to be very effective in your service for the Lord. What is your greatest desire? What is your passion uh, as we sang before? 
a passion for souls. Peter's desire was to stir up those who uh, he wrote to. He did in Second Peter uh, chapter 1 and chapter 3. And I believe we need a stirring in our lives today. We need a spirit of zeal and passion to serve the Lord and see the lost come to Christ. And so we have a name here, the name of stirring and spirit. Fourthly, well, I messed up, uh, messed up there. There's a, uh, Spurgeon's uh, quote, a blacksmith can do nothing when his fire is out. There's number four, the name of sensitivity and submission. The name of sem- uh, sensitivity and submission. Look at verse six. Of Simeon. All right, Simeon means to hearken to uh, or listen to. Now, down in verse 10, you'll find the name uh, in verse 10, uh, Elishama. And that means God of my ears. Now, if you're going to be a good soldier, you're going to need to listen to God's word. You're going to, have to be sensitive and submissive to the leading of, uh, of him in your life. You know, we can get into more trouble because we don't listen to the Lord. Uh, we're not in tune with him. I wonder this evening, are you listening to God's word? I'm not asking, are you listening to my words tonight? I'm asking, are you listening to God's word? You know, my ear, uh, my words can go in one ear and out the other. But we dare not allow God's word to do that. Psalm 85 and verse 8 says, I will hear what God, the Lord, will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints, but let them not turn again to folly. And then I think of James chapter 1, uh, verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath, for the wrath of the man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. What's the perfect law of liberty? Right here, God's word. And continueth therein, He being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. We need sensitivity and we need submission to God's word this evening. Number five, the name of support or shadow. The name of support or shadow. Go back to verse six again. We saw Simeon there. We also see the the name Shilumiel, and we find here that that name is really comes from two words. Uh, it's the and if we take it apart, it's a little easier. Sometimes these uh, names are easier easier to say uh, when they're uh, uh, we take them apart. Shalumiel and the son of Zerashadai. That's the name we want to really look at here. Zerashadai, uh, formed from two words. It means the rock of the mighty, 
Zuri means rock. Shaddai means the sufficient one. Our God is the all-sufficient one. He supplies all of our needs. doesn't matter whether they're mental, emotional, physical, or spiritual. In the battles of life, it is God, our sufficient one, who solves the obstacles and meets every need of every circumstance that we may rely on. Again, Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches uh, in glory by Christ Jesus. And so a Christian soldier needs the sufficiency and stability of the Lord in his life. Number six, the name of sufficiency and stability. Is that where we just were? There we go. Who's running this thing anyway? Number seven. The names of shouting and singing. The names of shouting and singing. Verse seven. And verse seven we have of Judah. Judah means praise. If we're going to serve God, you're going to need to have an attitude of gratitude you're going to have to have an attitude of praise. Hebrews 13 and verse 15, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, 1 Peter 2 and verse 9, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvel marvelous light. It's also interesting to see in verse 7 the name Nashon. Nashon means to uh, means spell or bubble over, to have a spell. We usually uh, kind of stay away from things that, uh, you know, are spell, but you know, God can give us joy. It's not really a spell, but it's a joy uh, in difficult times. And if there is anyone who should be excited about living today, it should be us. Uh, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ is your Savior, then you should have a cause for excitement and praise. And I know not everyone has a bubbly personality and goes around with a big grin on their face. But certainly, we shouldn't be people who are down in the dumps all the time with our chins dragging on the ground. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And we need to let other people see that, see the goodness of God in our lives. Jeremiah 15 and verse 16, Thy words were found, and I did eat them. And thy word was unto me the, what? Joy and rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. The word of God should cause some excitement in our life. John 15 and verse 11, These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. Now, here you have the names that mean shouting and singing. There should be some shouting. You know, we shout when our team is playing. Uh, how about, uh, uh, how much do we shout when we hear the Bible or read the Bible? Uh, maybe you say, well, I don't want to get too Pentecostal about it. Well, you can do like one fellow did. He put his hand over his mouth and said, glory, hallelujah. There are things in this book that should make you shout and sing. So we have the name of sonship. 
the name of strength, the name of stirring and spirit, the name of sensitivity and submission, the name of shadow or support and shadow, the name of sufficiency and stability, the name of shouting and singing. Number eight, moving right along. The name of sacrifice and selflessness. Again, verse seven. Nashon, the son of Abinadab. Abinadab is a name which means people of generosity. His name is a reminder that the soldier of of Christ needs to be generous, selfless, and sacrificial. We're to be concerned about others. Philippians 2.4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. 1 Corinthians 10.33, Even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. You know, we need to be thinking more about the needs of others rather than only our own needs. Now, we need to take care of ourselves. We need to take care of our our family. But, you know, we need to think about the needs of others as well. That takes some sacrifice and some selflessness. And so you have a name of sacrifice and selflessness. Then number nine, the name of securing and strain, strain. The names of securing and strain. Verse 8. Of Issachar. The word Issachar, the name Issachar, means to hire. And the picture here is of reapers that are hired to harvest the fields. A soldier for Christ is to be a harvester of the souls of men. He's the, uh, to work and strain diligently for Jesus Christ. Matthew nine thirty seven to 38 says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, and he will, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. John chapter 4, verse 35 says, Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up your eyes, and look unto the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth, receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Uh, another name we uh, will look at is uh, Nethneel, uh, which means given of God. Given of God. And uh, God is the source of blessing we receive. That which we secure or gain is from him, no matter how big or small. We're reminded of it by the truth of Zuar, which means very small. James 1 verse 17 says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variables, uh, variableness, neither shadow of turning. That brings us to number 10. The name of steadfastness. Verse 9. Verse 9 of Zebulun. Zebulun means to abide. Now, the truth of this name reminds us that we're to be a good, uh, in order to be a good soldier of Christ, we need to abide in Christ. We need to be faithful and steadfast. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And of course, John 15, the great uh, uh, vine and branches uh, uh, passage there where 
John said, abide, or Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. You notice also in verse 9, Eliab, the son of Helen. Eliab means God is my father. And his name would remind us of the truth that the Lord is our shelter. If we're abiding in him, he is our shelter and he refreshes us. He provides for us. He's the one that helps us to keep going onward. Our strength is from him. The name uh, Helon means, uh, reminds us of the strength of the Lord. It's a word that means very strong. The importance here is in the truth of steadfastness. Number 11, the name of spreading and stretching. Spreading and stretching. See this in verse 10, the name of spreading and, and stretching. Uh, here's a familiar name. You, you should uh, uh know this name, Joseph. Joseph means to add or increase. We have here of the children of Joseph of Ephraim. Ephraim's name means to be fruitful. Both Joseph and Ephraim's names challenge us to be spiritually uh, fruitful in our lives and grow in Christ. We're to bear fruit. We're to grow in our characters, uh, character uh, uh, of our life. We're to bear fruit of the Holy Spirit in our character and bear fruit by reaching others for Christ. And so we have the name uh, names of spreading and stretching, uh, going forth and adding or increasing, being fruitful. Number 12, the name of scratching out. Verse 10, children of Joseph, of Ephraim, of Elishama, and the son of Amahud of Manasseh. There's the word we're looking for, the name Manasseh. Manasseh means to forget. The effective soldier learns from his failures, and he goes on. He goes forward. He puts his mistakes, his failures, his hurts, his insults, his bitterness behind him because these are the things that are going to destroy his effectiveness and desire to serve the Lord. We're to forgive and to forget. And Paul said, this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. He meant he was not going to let those things of the past hinder him from doing what God wanted him to be doing. Uh, We're not going to... uh, uh, we're not going to forget our past, but our, we can keep our past from hindering us. We can scratch it out. We can move on. And then, number 13, the names of our standing before Christ. Now, again, we see this in verses 10 through 15. Verses 10 through 15. When we stand before the Lord, he will set in order any wrongs and reward those who've been faithful. Our redemption will be complete. Uh, the name there in a verse, uh, uh, the end of verse 10, Petazar, Petazar. Uh, it means redeemed by power. 
And that's what the Lord has done for us. God will reward the faithful as we see in the name Gamaliel in verse 10. Gamaliel, the son of Petazar. His name means God will recompense. Matthew 25, 21 says, His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. If you look in verse 12, you find the word Dan. Dan means to judge. And there is going to be a day when we're going to have to give an account. We're going to stand before the Lord. 2 Corinthians 5.10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to it that he hath done, whether it is good or bad. And those who have been faithful soldiers will have a great uh, cause to rejoice, for they did not waste away their lives. You notice here in verse 13, the, the name Asher. Asher reminds us of these folks. His name means happy. These folks are happy because they're overcomers in the struggles of life. The name Naphtali means to struggle or wrestle. We're in a battle, but the Lord can give us the victory. I think it's, uh, it's interesting to look at the names and the meanings of these names. Now, there's something interesting also about these names. I hope you see the wonderful truths that we can learn through uh, even just the names of those listed here. Uh, the rest of the chapter goes on to break down the numbers from which uh, each of these are leaders of their tribe. And they're the 12 tribes of Israel. You say, I only see 1, 2, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Why is there only 11? Which one's missing? Levites. That's right. 12 tribes, but only 11 listed here in our passage. Where is the 12th? Well, if you remember, the tribe of Levi was the tribe of the priesthood. And they were not to be counted in this number of those who were going to go into battle. The Levites would not be going to battle. But here we have these great truths that we can apply even to our lives. If we look at the names here and we see what they mean, and I, I trust you know Christ is your Savior and you can be counted as one of his soldiers. And if you are saved, then I trust you'll examine your life as to what kind of soldier you are. Again, as we come uh, into this chapter here, in verse 3, from 20 years old and upward, all that are able to go forth to war in Israel. And you and I, are, again, we're on a, in a battleground, not a playground, and we need to be good soldiers of Christ. Perhaps you can be counted. I hope you be, can be counted as one of God's soldiers. The next question is, can you be counted upon? And I trust that is also true. So as we begin to look at some of the things that are seen here, seen here in the book of Numbers, uh, this is the first uh, aspect of looking at these names that we have here and what they mean and how they can apply to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for uh, a time that we can spend in God's word tonight. We pray, Lord, uh, that it's been a challenge to us. Uh, the names, we know these men were not perfect, 
but they had names that meant a great deal. And uh, as we even think about our own uh, uh, pedigree or genealogy, we pray, Lord, that we'll have a godly Christian pedigree and that people will know us by our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And help us to be faithful, Lord. Help us to do the things that you've commanded us to do, instructed us to do in your word. And we pray, Lord, that we'll be effective in the ministry that you've called us to. Thank you, Lord, for this time we've had in the word this evening. Bless it to our hearts and help us as we go uh, throughout the week uh, to be meditating upon these things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.